Uh, I'm fired up today. Cheers to 22 years of stone cold sober at BYU. And they decide, well, a year in jail. Stay thirsty, my friends. I am loving it. I love product placement so much in these things. So at least one person was listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. (laughs) Good. Where'd everybody go? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. College football is back, kind of. We are under three weeks from BYU and Utah kicking out the season against each other in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. BYU hosted their first scrimmage of training camp on Saturday. Jerem Jordan one-on-one with the head ball coach, Kalani Sitake, to recap it all. All right, Kalani, uh, scrimmage in the stadium, always a special place to be uh, as opposed to the outdoor practice field. How'd it go today? Really good. I mean, I, I think uh, be able to watch the film and probably dissect it a little bit more, but I'm uh, just really pleased with how physical our guys were. And um, and then, you know, with you're looking at the fundamentals of football, the way we blocked and tackled and, and uh, just did our fundamental part of the game, you know, with ball security and everything. I thought it went really, really well. So, um you know, I, I don't. I don't know if one side had the upper hand on the other, but um, for the most part, they're physical on both sides, and a lot of great uh, decision making by everyone. So, specifically with the quarterback. With under three weeks to go, do you feel like you could play this game, you know, today, or do you need the prep leading up to that? No, we'll need the prep. But I mean, I, for the first week and a half, I was. This is. Uh, I'm really excited about it. You know, but uh, we'll use all the time that we have, and and um, I'm. Uh, that we knew going into it that we'd be at this position, and uh, I'm just really excited about our players and and uh, a lot of the new guys that are that are going to be here too uh, made a, a great impression on me, especially in the live part of the of the scrimmage. The bowl game was certainly a wonderful way to end the season. What's different about this team than last year's team? I think a lot of the we have a lot of young guys on this team, and but they're young and have some experience. You know that makes any sense that. We have sophomores that started as freshmen or saw us significant playing time, and so this isn't really all that brand new for them, even fall camp. And with the offense being a little bit more familiar, I think uh, everyone's starting to ease into their roles. And even those that are, are trying to get a, trying to gain more responsibilities, I think this is a great p- position for them to to compete and try to earn more playing time. It's it's. Uh, I, I just like the way the culture is forming on, on our on our team, and I like the way the guys are gelling and, and that the leadership starting to step up. And um, this is uh, I, I'm just it's really excited that the, the coaches don't have to do much of the the driving, you know, and, and the and the uh, the you know explaining and all that. That's done already with the players, and it's been been really fun to watch. Where does that come from? Where did that kind of organization and, and motivation and leadership come from? Was it the frustration of losing Utah? Was it uh, just more seniors, these guys? Where, where is it from? No, I mean, we've been trying to work that since, since we first got here, you know. We're um, really trying to let the, the players feel like they have a huge impact in, in, in the program and, and uh, with a lot of things rather than just the, um, you know, the uniforms or things like that or the travel sweats and the shoes. I think just letting them be involved in a lot of the decisions that we make and the things that we do. Obviously, we, we do it with um, with myself and, and other coaches that are guiding away, but you kind of see what's important to them and what they think we can work on. And, and uh, they have a really good feel 
a, a heartbeat on the team. They understand where we can really improve, and it's been really nice to have coaches that, that and then players that can really work well together and have great feedback, and, and uh, you know, we make each other better that way, and, and no one gets offended. It's just nice that the guys work hard and, and get better, and I've, I've been really pleased with the progress we've made so far. Talking with Kalani Satake on BYU Sports Nation, you've been very open the last three seasons about wanting a more explosive offense. Do you feel like this group is getting closer to what you've wanted? I think I said it before. It's like the cowbell thing. I can't get enough of the explosive plays. So I don't know if I'll ever be happy unless I see. I don't know, ask me when we start doing it a lot, and then it's like I think we should take a break from being explosive. On our, <laughs> should I say, are you happy now? Yeah, it's like oh, we've had enough. No, but I, I, it's one of those things where you just you just keep promoting it and promoting it, and and hope that it comes along because. Uh, a five-yard throw can be an explosive play, depending on who's blocking and who's who's uh, who's running the ball. So, um, I think if those guys just know that we need to be more efficient and more effective on the field, that everybody's um, their responsibility matters. A block down the field can spring a ten-yard gain into a touchdown, things like that. And and uh, I think everybody's starting to really take the ownership of it. And we'll see if it, if it plays out that way when it comes game time. To a certain degree, the quarterback dictates the personality of an offense. Hopefully it's in sync, right? But do Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall lend themselves to perhaps a more explosive offense because of their ability? Yeah, and I think that, that they're, uh, that's their mentality, you know. They, they, they wanted to be here and, and to make big-time plays, and um, I'm just thankful that they're really aggressive with it. And um, they're, they're guys, they're young guys that aren't afraid to, to say something and talk and tell a senior where they should be and put people in their place and that makes my job a lot easier you know so I think uh, yeah I'd love for everyone to take the uh, the personality of our quarterbacks because I think they do a great job and, I, and I'm even talking about the whole group Joe Critchlow, Baylor Romney, Rhett Riley those guys are all do a great job and and, and you know with in combining with uh, Jaron Hall and and uh, with our boy Zach Wilson so uh, I've been really pleased with that group and the leadership that they provide as a position group more than anything. How's the health of the team at this point in camp? Um, we're not 100% healthy, but that's part of it when you scrimmage and you practice so much. Um, but I don't think it's anything too bad except for the one um, problem that we had, the one uh, with Hank that we lost with the season. That was unfortunate. and not, It's really what didn't have any contact, but... Uh, we'll, we'll get him the best care we can get, but I think everybody else is kind of. We should be still um, open to get to the game on on uh, you know on August 29th, but we'll see. I, I think that that's still a little bit more than two weeks, two and a half weeks away. So we'll see how it go, how it goes and how we progress from there. We're in the stadium. We're under three weeks to go. Are there are there emotions that start to stir in you when you're in here, knowing we're so close? Oh yeah, always. I mean, I think um, you know comes to mind is when. Um, Step on, stepping on the field as a coach with with Ty Detmer and with um, you know with Ituyaki and Ed Lamb and the, that was awesome, right? But and you think that you kind of get used to it, and that was that was in 2016 when we stepped on the field. You just feel this wonderful feeling here, and um, it hasn't really changed any. You don't get used to it. It's just a it's a great feeling to be on this field, and you know we had some time to talk to the team a little bit yesterday, educate them on Lavelle Edwards. Believe it or not, some of these guys weren't even born yet when I was playing, so I feel really old. <laughs> but I, I know that a lot of them um, probably know the name of Lavelle Edwards, but um, I thought it was important that they know the type of person that he was and um, give them a little bit of history on, on who, what the things he did, the impact in not just college football, but um, the BYU community and the church and the school. It's been, 
it's been a really cool thing for the guys to see. I think they appreciate Lavelle and, and his name and that the fact that they get to play in the stadium named after him and, and uh, who's a great mentor to me, and I, I love him and his, and his family. And also I, I want our players to appreciate them the same. Well, good luck the rest of camp. Let's give you the BYU Sports Nation karma. Get healthy, stay healthy, and uh, we're excited for August 29th. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. Go Kooks. Kalani Satake, a bit subdued, but it feels like he's just more focused. I think he's keeping it low-key so that when BYU is good, he's like, yeah, see? No, I'm, I'm serious. Like, if BYU beats Utah on the first and, and is really explosive on offense, but it's better to go up than, like, come down from expectation, right? So we'll Ask see. Utah about expectations. Yeah, let's hope uh, that's just an epic disaster. Let's just play football already. Hit it! Countdown to the youths. 17 days. 17. Two and a half weeks. People, we're almost there. Can you believe it? Two weeks from Thursday. 16 days. 16 days away, BYU Mm. and Utah. Two weeks from Thursday. It's getting real now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's been real for a while. (laughs) I love it. Happy Max Hall Day, everybody. I hate Utah. Yes. How many Max syllables did we turn 15 days into there? 15 days. Four. 15 days. Let's break it down. 14 days. Two weeks from today, 14 days. Shout nice. out to Ty Detmer and Gifford Nielsen, two fantastic number 14s in BYU football history. 13 days. Riley Nelson Day. Who we saw yesterday. Riles. Yeah, he was at practice. Good to see him. My, uh, my broadcast partner on Cougar Pregame Live. Yeah. And Greg Rubel's broadcast partner on the games. You're going to be buddies. You're going to be pals. We're going to hang out. Yeah. We're going to hang out. Yeah. Stay up to date with The Countdown. Every weekday on BYU Sports Nation, on BYU TV, and BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's get to Jerem's 10 and 10 top defensive players BYU will face in 2019. 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jerem 10 and 10. Number 10, Jesse Lemonier, defensive end, Liberty. The senior put up 55 tackles, including 10 sacks, 13 and a half tackles for loss, two forced fumbles last season for the FBS independent newcomers. Lemonier has made my 10 and 10 three different times. <laughs> I was going to say, he's been on there a few times, hasn't he? He's got one of the great names. It was names, and then uh, I don't remember the other one, but uh, yeah, he's got a great last name. Number nine, Avery Williams, cornerback, Boise State. Four picks, 17 passes defended, one fumble recovery, three forced fumbles on defense in two seasons. And on special teams, he has a kick return and two punt returns for a touchdown. He's very versatile. Well, I'm glad they have some versatility there because they're bringing a new quarterback and running back to Provo. Number eight, Bryce Thompson, cornerback, Tennessee. Freshman All-American had a team-high three picks, four pass breakups, 34 tackles, four TFLs. For Tennessee and the always tough SEC? No, here's the thing. I don't think Zach Wilson cares. <laughs> you say stay away from certain cornerbacks? I don't think he cares. To be aware would be good, though. I'm, I'm sure he's going to know who's good and who's not. Right? Number seven, Chiava Tazino, linebacker, San Diego State. First team on Mountain West after 127 tackles. That was top 20 nationally. Ooh. Eight and a half sacks, 14 and a half TFLs, 10 plus tackles in five different games, including a little bit of flexing. I would very much love for Brady Christensen, Tristan Hodge, and James Empey to team up and block that dude. Yeah, and someone's got to make a tackle, you know. If you don't go to that bounce where it's incomplete, someone gets a tackle. 
Number six, David Woodward, linebacker, Utah State. Tenth nationally in tackles, 134, five sacks, 12 and a half tackles for loss, two picks. He's all over the field. Third team All-American, bit of a surprise last year for Utah State. 20 tackles at Colorado State last season. Holy cow. See, I think he's a little low on this list. I think he's underrated as a defender. And there's another Utah State player on this list. Yeah, he's no, he's. I don't think he's a top five defensive player, clearly. Uh, number five, Christian Rector, defensive end, USC. More like Rector. The last two seasons, he has 12 sacks, 20 tackles for loss. Second team all pack 12 last season. 10 tackles, two sacks against the Utes. All right, USC. I'm just glad BYU has him in Pro Bowl again. I, I love the placement of this game. Can't say it enough. Number four, Tipa Naliai, defensive end, Utah State. TCU transfer had a great year in 2018. Ten sacks, 13 and a half tackles for loss, two picks, one for a TD. You're looking at it right now on BYU oh. TV. This is Utah State, pick six against BYU on BYU TV. We can only show this once. That's all we can handle. Actually, we already saw it last October. He had two forced fumbles as well. Don't that throw was the, it right to Tipa. That was on fourth down, and it was the worst throw of Tanner Mangum's career. Number three, Jalen Johnson, cornerback, Utah. Sporting News has him as one of the top cornerback prospects in the 2020 NFL Draft. 41 tackles, four picks, one touchdown, four breakups. That touchdown was a 100-yard pick six against Stanford on the farm last year. Wow. Okay, so here's the thing. Utah has two good cornerbacks. Jalen Johnson, number three on this list. Uh, His buddy on the other side could very well have a case to be in the top 10 as well. Like, they're really good. Number two, Curtis Weaver, outside linebacker, Boise State. He plays the hybrid stud position, 20 and a half career sacks. That's the second most among active players in college football. 28 career TFLs, two-time All-Mountain West Conference first team. He is really good. He is good. I'll take him more seriously when he has more career TFLs than David Nixon. David at 43 and a half. So let's see. He only needs uh, like 15-ish. Yep. <laughs> and the number one defensive player the Cougars will play this season is Bradley and I, Utah, defensive line. 6'3", 265. Sports Illustrated ranked him the 22nd best player in college football. Whoa. 16 and a half sacks, 26 TFLs in three seasons. Hit 52 quarterback pressures last season. That led the Pac-12. Part of a top five red zone and rush defense last season. So a guy like Lucky Fotu for Utah doesn't even make this list. Like yeah. BYU's taking on some they, serious talent defensively this year. Utah could have had two or three more on this list, probably. Yes. Yeah. Final they probably ten, could. Yeah. Final ten and ten next week, right? Yeah. Top ten right. offensive players, and then we're done. It's been uh, it's been almost ten weeks, I guess. Yeah. We're sixteen days away from a game. It's close. The ten and ten lists are ending, which means college football is very very close. Yeah, it's good. When ten and ten ends, we all rejoice, right? <laughs> The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Well, out of high school, Tristan Hodge was the top-rated center in the country. He went to Notre Dame for a couple of seasons, transferred to BYU, sat out uh, as a redshirt, started every game at guard last season. Now he's a junior and one of the leaders on this BYU team. Here's my conversation after practice with Tristan Hodge. Tristan, uh, halfway through fall camp, how are you feeling physically? Feeling great physically, you know, doing a lot of prehab and rehab, and my body's staying, being good to me this time. 
How did the preparation over the summer make it so this camp, you guys were able to kind of sprint into it? That's what a lot of guys have said. You know, I think that's a big thing is we're, we're staying with the same offense. You know, the thing is that we're able to go into this, you know, into this fall camp and just kind of, you know, get into it instead of a lot of teach. I'm like, like there's still install, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, you know, we know what we're doing. You know, we're just it's more refinement rather than just straight teaching. From a few years ago when you, you first showed up, it's, an, it's a different offense. And this year's offense is different than last year's. So uh, how have you tried to keep up, I guess, physically with the pace of, okay, we may run a few more plays. you got to run a little more. <laughs> That's one thing that our strength coaches have been, you know, drilling us all over the summer. Our strength coach is a testament to what they've done, you know, in that long training season is getting us ready for these moments, getting us in football shape. And of course, football shape's a different kind of shape, but you know, they do the best of getting us strong and fast and getting prepared for this. So it's a huge testament to them. And, you know, our, our staff, you know, that, that's helping us rehab and all that, they've really helped us take care of our bodies and limit the injuries. In basketball, it's easy to quantify what a guy's working on in the offseason. Oh, I'm going to add this move or whatever, right? James Harden's going to travel in this way now or whatever. For an offensive lineman, what's that like where you go, I specifically want to do this? What are some of those things for you? Usually one of the things that we like to do is we like to focus on maybe a couple things because we can't overload our minds because we really only we can work one thing and pass and one thing and run maybe a day because if we do too many things that we're not focused on any of them. So one thing that I've really wanted to focus on this, this season and throughout this offseason was my pass sets and getting those a little more, you know, you know, concise, getting them faster, getting them, you know, to the point where I, you know, I have switch-ups where I'm not doing the same thing every time, so, you know, that they, they can't judge me on what I'm doing based on what they're doing. So the, and then also in the run is becoming stronger and more balanced, you know, so it's not nothing that they can't torque or anything. So I'm remaining balanced within double teams, within single blocks, you know, so we can maintain that surge. So what's, describe what a pass set is. Oh, so when we set, I mean, of course, when we're setting back like this, everybody, everybody knows the, has seen the offensive line where it looks like we're backpedaling. Don't worry, it's not bad. You know, so we're, uh, it's, it's, it's a, there's a lot of things that go in pass. It's really strategic, and especially if you're trying to do switch-ups. And I, I like to, like, highlight our tackles because they do it a lot more, especially with edge rushers, is they have a big toolbox that they like to use. Interior, we have a toolbox as well, is knowing where to place our hands, you know, giving them switch-ups, not giving them both hands, giving them one-two, you know, maybe sometimes giving them just one at a time or seeing how their body position, if they're leaning forward, you know, trapping them down so that they can't get a bull rush. There's a lot of crazy different details that we're, that we're looking at before, during a pass rush in those five seconds so during a game you're describing you may not want to show everything that you have in the first quarter per se that you might use in the fourth you know, sometimes that's the, that's the name of the game, but sometimes we're also reading how D linemen are going to rush us. You know, that's what film study gives us. So we see how, you know, how do they treat an overset by, you know, by a guard. If he's a three-tech or if he's a four-eye, saying if I set like this, how is he going to react to me? And it's also if I set like this and I know he's going to react that way, how can I counter that or attack that? So there's a lot of strategic things that go into, you know, every single pass set. For a pitcher, sometimes there's tipping their pitch, right? Oh, if he holds it this way or does this or uh, whatnot. For an O-lineman, are you conscious? Conscious of, I can't show if this is a pass or a run. Do you work on that kind of footwork or how you're sitting or whatever? Exactly. That's one thing we want to show is, is Coach Mateos' stress. He's, he, he's coached guys before that you knew when they were running and you knew in their pass setting. One thing we want to do is we want to be balanced. So you don't know on third and short if we're going to run or if we're going to pass the ball. So that's a good thing for us is they don't know what we're going to do. And also it just remains that, you know, that we're balanced and that we're not showing too much of our hand as well. So it's, it really works that way. How do you do that when you're huffing and puffing after play after play, right, where maybe you're going a little tempo in that moment you know it's that's that's the testament for all fall camp is is getting us in that shape and working these plays you know during team is going you know so many plays in a row doing those 20 play drives so when it comes to game day you know when we actually get a long drive that maybe you know 10 or more plays that we're not as gassed that we're just still being the same play in and play out describe to us uh 
What kind of improvements do you expect from this offense this year? We're hearing a lot of good things, more explosive, uh, more down the field, you know, better in the run game. That's always the hope, right? But mm-hmm. it feels like with a returning quarterback and a second-year OC, perhaps those could be reality. And of course. And a lot of things we're instilling confidence in each and every single player is knowing that their role is important to every single player. You know, the offensive line, we want to work on that surge. We want to work on doing our job, you know, put in, in those current situations, you know, put the put it behind us. You know, we're going to get those those yardage in those situations. So we're just like, let's go behind us. Or, you know, everybody can do their job. So that's the one thing is we're instilling confidence in everybody that we can do whatever we want. Do you ever get validation from a play call? For example, if it's third and short, you're like, oh, they did a run, they have confidence in uh, our ability. Do you ever get validated that way? Oh, 100%. You know, that's one thing we hope for at O-line. We want third and one. We want to say, hey, we're going to run up between the tackles. We're going to go forward. That's one. Thing, that's, that's a pride thing for the offensive line. You know, if they call a pass, we're just like, really? <laughs> you know, sometimes it's kind of a letdown. But, of course, we know the coaches have the best thing in mind. But we want the – we as offensive line, we want to steal the confidence in our coaches that when it comes to those situations that they can run it behind us. What kind of difference have you seen for Jeff Grimes as he's kind of grown in this second year as a play caller? You can see that he's definitely he, he's built that confidence in, in the players. You know, he sees that we've now started settling in our roles. He knows what each one of us is about now, and he knows what each one of us is capable of. So he knows how to accentuate what players are on the field to their strengths and run and do the right play calls. Perhaps the biggest addition for you in the offseason was some ink on your left arm. Will you describe uh, what we have going on here? Oh, there's a lot going on here. You know, it's a, it's a smorgasbord of stuff. So this thing is actually Norse. Um, you know, my, me and my dad are kind of digging into our Danish heritage a little bit. Vikings in there? Oh, Maybe. yes. Oh, yeah. So you have uh, Mjolnir, which is Thor's hammer. Yep. We have the uh, world serpent that circles up here. It's hard to see. Kind of goes up here, which basically is one of the world serpents. Then you have the, uh, basically it's our black sun here that's like a shield of earth. This, I have no idea what it means yet. <laughs> is that I, elvish? What is that? I have no. Oh, this, oh, this is a dead language, all Nordic. It's old, old <laughs> stuff, and I, I don't even speak a second language. I can barely speak English. Come on, and uh, right here, this is actually a compass. This is uh, one of the, this is one of the earliest depictions of a compass used by the Norse people. So it's and of course the the Valknut, which is life, death, and rebirth. It's a lot of lot of deep stuff, but just look cool. So does it have personal significance to you as well as looks cool? Uh, of course. I mean, you know, one thing I wanted to do is I wanted to be, I'm sometimes an indecisive person, so I wanted to do something because this is definitely very permanent. So I took my time in, you know, choosing it. I wanted it to be meaningful and also very cool, like you said. Um, but I took my time choosing it, and I sat in a chair for eight hours, and I don't regret it at all. Eight hours? In one sitting, yeah. It was, it was a long day. What did you do during that time? Well, I mean, he asked what I wanted to watch on Netflix, but the TV was behind me, and there wasn't a mirror in front of me. So I said, I guess I'll listen to The Office. So I just sat there, you know, basically talked to him, listened to The Office. But I've seen it so many times, I knew exactly what was going on. Eight hours worth of The Office? Oh, yes. Yeah, it was pretty monotonous, but, you know, it's The Office. Come on. Did you cover two seasons, maybe? About just about. No, I I think I got through the first season. The first season. How was it again? It's beautiful. It's a great, great show. It puts a smile on my face. Uh, how would you uh, describe and characterize this offensive line this year? You know, one thing we want, we're finding our identity right now, but one thing that we want to know is that is the tenacity and controlled violence. You know, not a lot of the good things happen when it's uncontrolled violence. People can get out of whack, but we want to play with violence, but that controlled aspect of knowing that we're smart guys on the field, that we know what we're doing, but we're still going to bull people over, that's the one thing we want to stress. Well, BYU Sports Nation, karma to you. Stay healthy. And uh, this was the most offensive line insight I've ever received. Thank you for the time, Tristan. Hey, thank you. He's always insightful. I love chatting with Tristan Hodge. And eight hours of listening to The Office (laughs) while you get a massive tattoo on your arm. But here's the deal. When you know a series, like whatever series you know the best, 
if you just hear it, you're you're watching it in your mind, right? Because you can, if you had you, seen it before, yes, if you've seen it before, yeah. and it's like I I get it. Not I can every, do that with Seinfeld. Not everything's repeatable. Yes. I think Seinfeld is a great rewatch. I yes. don't know that everything is super rewatchable. Yeah. He's such, first of all, he's a fantastic football player, but he's such a great guy to just talk to for interviews or just talk juice. to on the side. Yeah. He's great. I love it. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Both you and I had uh, kids that went to BYU summer sports camps this year. They do a bunch of them. It's one of the best, if not the best, program in the country for that. Perhaps some of you have had your kids, or maybe you went when you were younger to sports camps. They're awesome. You need to do it if you have not done it before. This year, BYU baseball hosted a different kind of group, one all the way from Beijing, China, Lauren McLean sat down with BYU head coach Mike Littlewood and Chinese coach uh, Kong Kong. Let's go Between the Lines. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. How do you pronounce your team name? Uh, our team name is Jia Pao. Jia is Chinese of home. Pao is one. Wow. So it's like combined home run. How did the opportunity to host this Chinese team come about uh, for BYU baseball camp? Well, really, I honestly didn't know they were going to be here until a couple weeks before. My first thought was I was so amazed at just the sacrifice it takes to come 8,000 miles and for the courage of the young kids to come out here and not having a great knowledge of the language. They can kind of get around a little bit. And then being just immersed into 215 American kids, um, I, I think it's just awesome to have them here. What do you think that says about the international reach of BYU? Well, that's the reach of not just BYU camps. And you talk about BYU TV and, and BYU sports. Uh, you can't get much farther than where these kids <laughs> have come from. And so it's important for us to be able to... to host them well, put on a good show, teach them some things, and just allow them to have a great experience while they're here. And so far, it's been awesome. So baseball isn't the most popular sport in China. Where did you gain your love for baseball? Uh, Actually, my father got his master in the States. Okay. 35 years ago. Uh, When he came back to China, he taught me English. So I learned a lot of baseball terms from my father. So your little team has trained across the United States the last few years in different spots. Why did you choose BYU this year? About two years ago, I met a daughter and father. They're on the same cruise, an Antarctic tour. The daughter graduated from BYU. Uh-huh. I like to take my players to Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. So I have to choose a big city for training before or after uh-huh. Yellowstone trip. <laughs> so I asked her, she said, why not try BYU camp? She helped me to call some coaches here. Uh-huh. Finally, <laughs> I came here. How's your team liking this so far? You know, in the last couple of years, we have great coaches, great teammates, but this time it's much, much more new friends. What's it been like for you seeing these kids interact with the other kids and yeah. being able to coach them a little bit? Well, I've just noticed they're so respectful. The number one thing I've, I've noticed is they, they, uh, they're just polite. They're just mm-hmm. really nice kids, and they're sponges. They just want to They listen to you, and whatever you tell them to do, they're going to do it and, and uh, try to put it in their game. So we as coaches appreciate that. It's more than 200. <laughs> so I have to 
talk more, they have uh -huh. to communicate more. <laughs> so that's even more important than baseball for the kids. How did this team get started? Actually, I was a baseball reporter for like seven, six years. So after I was a baseball reporter, I came to the States and saw a lot of young kids play baseball. For some of them, it's the first time to the States. Wow. So maybe they learn a lot in the last 10 days how to use knife and fork, how <laughs> not chopstick, <laughs> completely different for them. Sometimes they use wrong way, but getting better and better. Oh, good. And yeah, that's why we are here. We can invite maybe some good code to China. Yeah. We want to meet new friends. Yeah. We want they have new view of the world. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. It Thank was good so to much. meet you. Thank you for your time. And good luck in the future. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you. Lauren McLean with Between the Lines. That's really Great cool. Story. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, baseball is not huge in China at all. So the fact that they come all the way here and then, uh, you know, the world is our campus, a couple of BYU alums saying, hey, why don't you try BYU? That's what? awesome. It's too bad it was raining part of their experience here. <laughs> well, like uh, like Coach Littlewood had mentioned in there, I mean, that's that's about as far as you can as you can come to Provo, you know what I mean? And so the the – the opportunity for not only them, but for the BYU coaches and the players to be able to have that interaction. What a great experience. It actually, it, it, Reminds me of, of what our family is kind of about to go through. My son is about to go to China coming up in October. It's actually November. He's going to China with his Chinese class from Orem High School. Nice. So he's going to actually get an opportunity to experience the Chinese culture over Very there cool. in a couple months. So it's, it's really cool to be able to have those kinds of opportunities. That's awesome. And there continue to be Chinese connections, obviously, with Jim Fredette over yep. there. When I, which, right. And uh, I know a lot of the performance groups went to China recently over the summer. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the world's our campus. BYU going all over the place. Very cool. Time to play More or Less. More or less on BYU Sports Nation. Presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Ben Bagley about to join the program and make his mark. Ben, what do you have for us at number one? Well, let's start here. More or less than 13 carries by Tyson Williams in game one versus Utah. Less. BYU passed the ball a lot. And Tyson Williams will have 10 to 12 carries, but he won't eclipse 13. He averaged 8.3 the last two years, by the way. Yeah, I don't see any way that Tyson Williams has more than 13 carries just because BYU is going to be trying to figure out some things with Lopini Katoa and Williams and Emmanuel Usupa. There are too many mouths to feed for Tyson Williams to have more than 13 carries. So I'm with you. Less than 13 carries against Utah. Perhaps if he has more, that's a good thing. The run game's then it's working. Effective. Then it's because, effective. Because... You can look at passing two ways. One, you want to be aggressive. Two, if you pass a lot you, and you look back at that box score, that team was probably behind in the game. You know what? I don't care who carries the ball, who catches the ball, who throws the ball, as long as a certain team down south has more points on the scoreboard than a certain team up north. Number two. By the way, I don't know if you've noticed, but the last two nights, that little tinge of fall is in the air. It's mm -hmm. a little cooler at night. Mm -hmm. So football yes. weather is here. Number two, more or less than, than four future NFL players to play on the BYU offensive line or the Utah defensive line in the opening game. I think it could be more. I, th I think that uh, Utah's defensive line with Bradley and I and John Penicina and Lecky Fotu and BYU's O-line with perhaps Tristan Hodge and James Empey and Brady Christensen, we could see four of those guys make it into yes. the NFL. Yeah, I think all three of the Utah defensive linemen will play in the NFL. So there are three right there. And then two of the three BYU names you just mentioned, Brady Christensen, James Empey, Tristan Hodge. Yeah, sure. There's gonna, I think there will be more 
than four total NFL players on those combined lines. It's aggressive, but I think it could days. happen. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, and, we're, and we're talking about in the future, not next year, right? Just at some point in the future. Yeah. At some point in the future. Number three. More or less than 4.5 wins for BYU hoops during the Yoli Childs nine-game <laughs> suspension. <sighs> I we thought, don't know the schedule yet. Well, eh, the public doesn't know. Um, with, with Yoli, I thought that BYU was going to be over 500. I thought they'd be at least six and three, or sorry, at least five and four, six and three. Now with it, no, it's that's the toss up for me because I want to see what this team is like with Gavin Baxter as your one main front court guy. We'll see what we get from Colby Lee. Hopefully, he takes a step forward. Right, Dalton Nixon there, but Dalton's more of a, a three to me than a four. Um, yeah, and uh, toss up. BYU is going to be over 500. They will be at least five and four in the first nine games, even without Yoli Childs. There's going to be a rallying cry. Some guys will step up. Jake Toulson's going to be a good player. TJ Haas is still a really good player. Gavin Baxter is going to take the next step. There's enough on the floor for BYU to win five of the first nine games. And and in Maui, they could lose to UCLA, beat Chaminade, and then beat somebody else, and technically come up with a winning record in Maui. Yeah. You don't know how that's going to play out. See, right? in the first nine, it's a little scary. <laughs> it's tough. Five and four. No way. Bio's not gonna have a losing record without Yoli Childs. It's not gonna happen. If if they, if it is, then it's bad news. Bad yeah, news. I just, no, I don't want it. I want uh nine and oh. Let's go. Number four. More or less than third. The ranking for BYU women's volleyball will find itself in the rankings released later from the AVCA. Oh, man. Le- less. Uh, I think BYU is going to be in the top ten. The top three ranking is uh, quite ambitious given that BYU is losing Ronnie Jones-Perry, its best hitter, and then you're starting setter. So, no. Yeah, I'm going to number eight. I think they'll be like less. eight, maybe nine. So, less than number three. I know that BYU three. was incredible last year. They were number one for the majority of the season. But, yeah, you lose two critical parts. They could become that again. Um, it just depends on the health of McKenna Asu and some of the other freshmen that are coming on campus. Obviously, BYU's got perhaps the best middle blocking duo in the country. We'll see, right? They what have, else is new? BYU's got the, good middle blockers. The best libero in the country. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. They're going to be awesome again. Now, watch out for the setter position. BYU's got some young players that can ball. For sure. But there will be a transition. You know what they are? They're volleyball players. Oh, I always love that. Man, he's a football player. Yes, he is. I'm aware. Yeah. But you know (laughs) what it means. Next. Last one. This one coming from a story coming out today that Alex Rodriguez lost over $500,000 in value out of his car after Sunday night baseball, after it was broken into after that game. Well, listen, you got to get rid of the diamond-encrusted golf clubs, first of all. Well, so the question for you guys, more or less than $500,000 worth of stuff in your car right now. More. More. Yeah. I've got the future BYU football schedules, right? How much it's is A Rod's car worth? That's what I want to know. It's pro- that's it was a rental, lo- wasn't it? The car itself is probably oh, was it a rental? It was a rental. But you so know, he got the high end much. rental. He got the Bentley rental. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, way more. No, way less. I I'm hoping I'm just to save face and show a little pride. I'm hoping I have at least a thousand dollars worth of stuff in my car. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when sacrifice is brought up in uh, staff meetings, I'm not sure that you'll you'll go north of that number. (laughs) We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation.
What did you have to say this week? This is the best from the nation. Question of the day about football outside of the final score. What are the two most important stats for BYU to focus on in two weeks away from Utah? Okay. At Joe Brady, 12 answers on Twitter. Points off turnovers and time of possession. We need to force turnovers and capitalize on them. And BYU has to keep their offense off the field. Yeah, well, well, time of possession is kind of an older metric to me. That doesn't matter as much. Like, with these up-tempo offenses, if you score in a short amount of time, that's fine. You want to give the defense a rest. There's some balance, certainly, there. But it's not as big of a deal as it used to be, where it was like, let's keep that team off the field. Depends on the game. Yes. I, I think against Wisconsin, BYU's game plan was perfect. Tanner Mangum was, what, 8 of 9 in the game, and BYU had some good possession there. That was, that was a, a good game plan for that game. Against Utah, I don't feel like it's as big a deal. Although, yeah, if you dominate time possession, that can certainly be a good thing. Average starting field position to me is just critical against the Utes and that defense. BYU can have some short fields and take advantage. Come on, let's go. And not turn the ball over plus five <laughs> twice in the uh, current eight-game losing streak. That's, they're a minus five? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Here's, see the, all that red? That's the negative part. Yeah. That's when BYU was negative. Not good. Not good. You know what? It's garbage. Our question of the day, how have your expectations for BYU football changed since the start of fall camp? Let's get uh, to the voice of the nation. This is the voice of the nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Justin M. Gibb on Instagram, hearing the confidence and excitement be relayed from coaches and players has increased my hope that my blue goggle expectations could be more of a reality. Now, if you have blue goggled expectations, you're probably thinking 10 plus on this schedule, right? Yeah. Throw, throw them on there, Cyclone. Throw them on. These are, my, these are my favorites. Yeah. Uh, at Brian Logan 7, Jerem Jordan, your facial expressions kill me, bro. Am I making funny faces today? <laughs> I didn't even notice. What's up, Brian? Sorry, Brian. Uh, you could have watched Brian before this program on After Further Review. It's the re-air from yesterday's BYU TV app uh, showing. You can always check that out. And weigh in on our question of the day on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. How does the Yoli Child suspension change your outlook for the upcoming BYU basketball season? Eli Manet answers on Facebook. My initial reaction was to feel nervous for this team in the preseason or in the non-conference without him. But seeing his selfless attitude and desire to help the team in any way possible, I'm confident that they'll be able to rally together. Yes. Is this a rallying cry of sorts? For sure. Just nine games is a lot, right? You get 31 regular season games, and then you get one in Vegas. That's the guarantee of the season for BYU basketball is 32. Nine games is 28%. 28%. We're all hoping that he's at least with BYU, for the majority of those in-state rivalry games, right? Yes, and when the non-con comes out, you'll find out you know, what games he misses, what he doesn't, um, and it's just a bummer that he's out at all, let alone nine, ga- nine games. I know. I keep saying it because I'm incredulous as to why it's that long. Jade.hisk answers on Instagram. I think it'll really help some of the other key players to step up in those early games. It will certainly help their development, but that's, I was hoping not to have to do that, right? The point of Yoli Childs coming back is to play. It's not to sit out for nine games, but he'll be there when you get to the meat of uh, conference play, obviously. He's going to play the last six non-conference games. Remember, BYU used to play fewer non-conference games, but the Gonzaga rule, I mean, the league oh, said uh, <laughs> that they want to play two fewer conference games. So BYU only plays 
uh, everybody, uh, seven of the nine teams twice, and then two you play once. Now there is this growing conspiracy theory that non-Blue Bloods are treated with harsher penalties by the NCAA. At JTracy2511 answers on Twitter, the NCAA did this purposely to keep non-power conference teams out of the tournament, but know exactly what they're doing. It has nothing to do with rules. BYU, stop reporting. That's what I said. There's no reason to tell them everything. Why? Why? I know that BYU wants to, quote, be honest in their dealings with their fellow men, but you also have to keep up with the Joneses, so that's tough. That's a tough balance, right? Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, ESPN College basketball insider and analyst Jay Billis. Jay, nice to have you back on the program. Thanks for the time today. Oh, thanks for having me. Good to be with you. Well, I wish it were under different pretenses, but yet here we are, and uh, BYU fans, along with much of the college basketball world, kind of shrugging their shoulders at why. Why would the NCAA give Yoli Childs a nine-game suspension? What was your reaction when you first heard the news? Well, I felt like it was disproportionate to, to the offense, if you will. And so the NCAA, on one hand, says that, that players can test the waters, which is essentially just a job interview. And then uh, a player like Yoli Childs decides he's going to do that, and he wants to come back to school, which, which you would think that an educational organization would be all for. And, and he gets hit with a nine-game suspension. Now, I don't know this to be fact, but I've been told by people I trust that there were there were – folks involved in that decision that wanted him suspended for the year and uh and they they decided and sort of compromised on nine games uh whatever it is i just i i don't look at at child and say okay well there's a guy that that uh had forsaken all that college basketball is about and declared to be a pro um you know all the money was paid back with interest it was part it was not uh you know taking money from a booster or doing something that that uh, was violative of the rules. It was just a mistake. And instead of just saying, "All right, well, we accept that," and you know, good kid, and let's uh, ease back in school and let you know, let him play, so he can go to practice, he can do all these different things, but he can't play in games. Just strikes me as as uh, as disproportionate to to something very very minor and not of any real consequence. And it's just another sort of. It's the NCAA again, kind of, and all, these are all different committees. It's not the same committee all the time, but it's just sort of them taking aim at their foot and, uh, and shooting and, and hitting it dead in the middle. I wish that we had some kind of consistency, Jay, and understanding like, okay, this penalty is uh, fair for this crime, right? Yet we've had UNC and Arizona and other Blue Bloods get off with what felt like worse things, but not as big uh, punishment. So that, that inconsistency is obviously frustrating. How do you feel about it? Well, there are a couple things. I get the frustrating part on, on inconsistency, but, but I would say inconsi- there, there's a ton of inconsistency just on things that are, that are direct comps. Um, you know, comparing with all, with all respect, comparing Yoli Childs and, and North Carolina are two vastly different things. I mean, the truth is, as as uh, upsetting as the whole North Carolina case was on the academic side, it didn't violate any NCAA rules, and and you know we may we may all recoil at what happened there, but it's happened at other schools over the years, maybe not for as long, but it was never never made an issue by the NCAA because it doesn't violate the rules, uh, and and that was uh, that was just punctuated by the fact that uh, that the presidents basically told the NCAA all the academic that you're trying to make in the wake of the North Carolina case, uh, we don't want because we don't want you in our curriculum. 
And uh, so stay out of our curricula. And uh, we don't want we don't want Harvard compared to Memphis, compared to UNLV, compared to UCLA, compared to Duke. We're not doing that. And uh, so they basically said stay stay out of it. And so we're going to have the same rules going forward that 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 were quote unquote not violated in the North Carolina case. But to me, it's much simpler than that. It's sort of the idea of this strikes fair-minded people as being being too much and being wrong. And uh, and so really what the NCAA is saying is uh, if you're going to test the waters, just go. Because if you come back, we see so many cases where players come back and they've been ruled ineligible for periods of time. And so the message is clear to any player if you decide to test the waters, just go because you are going to get jerked around like nobody's business if you decide to come back. And once you decide to come back, then you're 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 stuck, and you really have no ability to fight this. And uh, uh, I think it's a shame. I think it's wrong, and I think the NCAA should be embarrassed. But good luck trying to embarrass them. Uh, they they certainly don't embarrass easily. ESPN College Basketball Insider and Analyst Jay Billis with us on BYU Sports Nation. BYU is obviously a school and a curriculum and program and private institution that values integrity and honesty and being clear. But in both instances where they have essentially opened the doors to the NCAA and said anything and everything to help the case, they've been given the hammer. So (laughs) at what point do we say, hmm, Maybe we shouldn't just tell them everything and let them dig, and and there's some omission. I, I don't know, Jay. How do you feel about all of this? Yeah, I think you're talking about self-reporting there. Um, it, it, that's a tough one because it, it, I think fair-minded people would say, "Well, wait a minute. If I have a violation that you know, like just for example, uh, I've been driving uh, the last uh, the last few days with a taillight out." And uh, am I supposed to go in and turn myself in to the authorities? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, and especially if if you said, well, wait a minute, if I can just fix this and and keep keep going and not worry about it, or or if I if I'm legitimately worried that if I do the right thing and and notify the authorities about this that I've been driving without without a proper taillight, and they decide, well, a year in jail. Well, I'm not gonna, I, you know, maybe I shouldn't turn that in. Maybe I should be smart about it. But the problem is, you know, you have you have people at all these great institutions, BYU among them, that do take their integrity seriously. And I look like, look, even if we get hammered, we have to do this. The problem is that we we take a different look at it. If if somebody said, if there was somebody that said, all right, if uh, if if Yoli Childs violated any NCAA rule. Uh, then the president is going to have a show cause and be suspended for without pay for for a period of months. But then you'd have a lot of yelling and screaming about this. But the players are the ones that always pay the price. And the truth is, and I hate to say this, but it's true, whenever a sanction comes down, uh, whether it was University of Utah, BYU, name all these things, whenever a sanction comes down, uh, vacating wins, whatever, the NCAA likes it, actually, when there's a lot of complaining because they think it hurts. And they think that's a good thing. Um, so, so when the fan base complains that there's a large part of the NCAA that says, "See, this stuff works," they they don't like it. Um, and the truth is, nobody outside of, of BYU cares about this. Um, they're they're not thinking about it. It's a Twitter event. People will vent for a few days, and then they'll be back to business as usual. So, I, I take your point, and it's a good one that that it, this is putting fair-minded people in a tough spot to say, "What should I do here?" But with compliance people, there's so many folks involved 
uh, you'd be taking, you know, like the uh, the head coach there, Mark Pope, he'd be taking a bigger risk by uh, by trying to uh, not cover it up, but but not reporting it, because if that were found out, then it would be then then it would be a big deal. Uh, now now it's just the kid paying the price. So Childs pays the price for what? Um, it, it's really maddening for fair-minded people, but. Uh, uh, you know, the folks in Indianapolis, it, they'll say they care, but the truth is they don't. They hide behind the rules and just say, well, if you don't like the rule, then change it. But then when, when you have, when North Carolina, uh, you know, has that academic issue and it doesn't violate the rule, then, then they bring a case anyway, trying to hamstring something because they didn't like the rule. They didn't like the fact that there was no rule. So they try to have it both ways all the time. Jay, it's great to talk to you. We know you're a busy guy. Uh, two notes as we say goodbye. One, get that taillight fixed. And two, I hope the next time we're talking with you, it's about BYU making a return to the NCAA tournament. Well, I hope so, and I hope I'm not incarcerated over this. I just made a, a fatal admission on, on the air here. So I hope, I hope I'm not hunted down by the FBI over this. <laughs> we got your back, man. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. Jay Billis on the Deseret First Credit Union Highline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. It's like on the Dan Patrick Show, Peter King got pulled over while he was talking. Um, the NCA, by the way, is the lunch lady who makes the just that doesn't put a lot of effort into it and gives the kids slop and says, I don't care. The more you complain, the better, because I'm just mad and upset and angry. There are a lot of lunch ladies that do a good job. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the annoying ones. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Nick Saban is in the news once again talking about scheduling and college football right down your alley, Jerem. I love it. He said, and I quote, I can promise you that we want to play more games against Power 5 teams and should play more games against Power 5 teams, all of us. He continues, if we don't, fans are going to quit coming. And I can't say I blame them. End quote. This all part of SEC Media Days. And this was rhetoric continued from last year when Nick Saban took the podium to address the media. That got us thinking, Jerem, does BYU need to continue the aggressive scheduling to have fans come to games like these SEC teams a la Alabama? It depends. If you're trying to put butts in seats, then yes. What, what, are your, what are your main goals with the program, right? If it's not to win, number one, then you have your goals messed up, in my opinion. There's a lot to balance, though, because if BYU doesn't put together a competitive good schedule, perhaps they're not getting the same recruits they would. So I understand that end mm-hmm. of it. But at the end of the day, do you know everyone that played on UCF's schedule the last two years? No, you just know they won a bunch, right? I'm not saying go that direction. But I understand that there's some need to appease ESPN from a programming standpoint in terms of what games you have, to say yes to them often, if not always, right? Does BYU ever say no? I wonder. And then to obviously get people in the stands because you make money on tickets and concessions and whatnot. So it's hard to balance all of these things. But I would hope that number one would be winning, number two would be winning versus good teams, and then three would be an entertaining product. Uh, That would be my priority list in this. I don't think the BYU should load up on Power Fives every year at home because BYU is going to win less than half of those over time, right? Perhaps there's a given year where they don't and it's a special team or something. But uh, BYU does have several Power Fives on the schedule, which brings us to our stat of the day. 
It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. In the next four seasons, BYU has 10 Power 5 home games. Three this season, two next season with Michigan State and Missouri. Three the next year, Utah, Arizona State, Virginia. Hey, Bronco! And 2022 Baylor and Arkansas, which are more in line with the kind of Power Fives that would be fine scheduling, right? Arkansas and Baylor are winnable games as opposed to when you stack it with, uh, you know, Washington, USC, Utah. That If BYU wins two of those three, that's going to be awesome. I like the summer. I like golf comparisons as well. The best case scenario is to play the hardest courses and play those courses well so that you're on the PGA Tour and you make a lot of money and everyone's happy. Most people aren't good enough to be on the PGA Tour. That's the truth. Right? BYU's Most not good people enough to are be not. Power five at the but moment. But how do they get to be good enough to be in that level? Like, they, is you there prove only yourself one route? On a lesser is there level. only? Is that the only route? Yeah. Is there another road that has BYU scheduling tougher so they can get better recruits and keep fans engaged and? Get noticed and yeah. have attention. And what I mean, the road might be tougher, but it's still a road nonetheless. The possibility exists, does the reality. Because Ty Detmer and BYU in 1990 were awesome, right? Like they, they were in the top five for like seven weeks. They beat Miami. It was amazing. What happened in 91? Uh, the next the next year to start the season with the Heisman Trophy winner. And well, they, gra- they graduated Florida a ton State, of senior UCLA, talent. Penn State. They played a too tough of a schedule, and so it's hard. You just have to have a nice balance. You can have a tough schedule, but not have it too tough. You can have really good recruits that come and play this schedule. That's fine. You just If you play four Power Fives to start, granted three are at home, you're asking for a 500 record. It's just hard. It's just hard. And if you have the right players and the right team and the right schedule, it's going to take a perfect storm of then it ain't goodness. Then it ain't happening. Okay, well, in 1990, yeah. it did happen, right? Because yeah. BYU had a ton of senior talent and the Heisman Trophy winner. Right, but that in schedule wasn't crazy. they graduated crazy. Chris Smith, and they yeah. graduated a ton of their defensive line. They had a lot of young guys on offense. No Bellini, no Tui Pelotu, like a bunch of talent left after 1990, and they ran into a buzz off a right. schedule. And 90 wasn't as hard as 91. Like, you, they had the right schedule. Brett McMurphy of Stadium Sports tweeted the following yesterday of interest to BYU. Pac-12's final bowl in the 20-25 bowl cycle will be split with Independence Bowl and ESPN-owned bowls versus Group 5 opponents, BYU or Army, sources told Stadium. Pac-12's other bowls in New Cycle, Rose, Alamo, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Holiday, Red Box, and Sun. So beyond this season, which is uh, should BYU be bowl eligible, and not make the college football playoff, Blue goggle alert. they would be Blue in the Hawaii alert. Bowl. And that's alert. on Christmas Eve. Uh, I fully expect BYU to be in that bowl game this season. Uh, for programming around, people are like, is BYU going to be in a bowl game? I'm like, yes, they're going to be in a bowl game. Just count on it, right? Count down to kickoff that day. All good, right? And uh, Cougar pregame live and everything that's right. else. But this is interesting because uh, I... I like the idea of a matchup against a Pac-12 team in a bowl game. A Power 5 bowl game has been something BYU's played at times, not as much recently. And BYU's um, had success in those bowl games. Yes, one recently, not as much. But there, ha- well, yeah, some, some yes, some no. 2013 Washington, no. Uh, 2015 Utah, no. Uh, but there have You've been, beaten Oregon, you've beaten right, UCLA. Right, back when BYU would win 10 or 11 games. <laughs> yes, well, over a decade ago. Absolutely. So, obviously, the Rose is not a game BYU is going to be in. But Alamo, will they? Vegas, obviously, a lot of history there. I, I wouldn't mind going to Vegas every, like, five years with BYU. Los Angeles, that's a newer bowl game. Yes. Uh, or brand new. Holiday, 
I'd be, I'd be, it'd be awesome if BYU made a holiday. Well, that's a, that's a big game. Typically, that's the, uh, the Rose Bowl light, the JV Rose Bowl, if you will. And with BYU's history in that bowl, yes. that adds a, like, another level to it. Last year, it was the losers of the Big Ten and Pac-12 title games. It was Utah against Northwestern. Northwestern won. So that, that's, that's a good bowl game. There aren't a ton of great bowl games outside of the New Year Six. I think holiday is a really good one. Red Box. That one's at Levi Stadium. Uh, that, that was formerly at AT&T Park. Essentially, BYU played in that one. It's rebranded. The game has to be played within 24 hours. Otherwise, you get charged. <laughs> and if you want the Blu-ray, it's $2 instead of $1. It's an yeah. extra dollar for your ticket. If and you then want. the Sun Bowls in El Paso. So I like uh, the possibility of this. This doesn't mean BYU will be in one. But I would say Alamo, Vegas, LA Holiday, Redbox, or Sun that in the next five years, uh, it's conceivable that BYU could be in one of those games. And it opens up the possibility of having a second game against Utah. They're not going to rematch it. No. Why wouldn't they? It would be awesome. But it's Why not, wouldn't they? It's not going to happen. Because, because it's not 07 with UCLA. <laughs> When the, there was a rematch, it's twelve years. Later. I understand just, they try enough. not to have rematches, but you can't. They can fully avoid it. But if they you want. can't tell me that that would not be an intriguing matchup for television, which is what yes. drives this. Yes, but the two schools have a. They partially have a say, right? And Larry Scott. They have could some say, say. Larry Scott could say, if this is played, it's at nine a.m. <laughs> That's when it's going to be played. Dang it! So uh, yeah, we don't know BYU's bowl game ties beyond this season. So perhaps one of these. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now in Studio B, the new guy for BYU basketball. Following up as head coach, Alex Barcelo. Alex, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Okay, tell us, uh, take us on a path of how this happened. I mean, you're the two-time Gatorade Player of the Year in Arizona, out of Chandler, had offers all over the place. You chose Arizona, and now you're at BYU. Why BYU now at this point in your basketball career? Honestly, I mean, um, U of A is a great school, um, and I'm very thankful for them giving me that opportunity. But um, I had some life-changing experience that that have happened to me, and uh, I kind of took that leap of faith and, you know, decided to – start a new beginning for myself and, and, you know, try to, try to find what I needed in, in my life right now. And, um, and I mean, as, as I went through the process and going through all the schools, BYU just stuck out to me over everyone because just the people here, I mean, the, the guys were so welcoming. Um, and you could just see that they really fought for each other. A lot of them haven't uh, been together for very long, but, I mean, you could really tell that they really care about each other. They're genuine people, and the coaches push us hard. They care about us on and off the court, and, um, I mean, that's exactly what I was looking for, so I'm so thankful to be here. How did this conversation start with BYU? <clears throat> How did it enter your mind? Maybe BYU. Did, did someone reach out? Did, did you have someone tell you, a friend or family member, hey, think about BYU? How'd this uh, begin? Well, um, we played Utah Valley uh, at Arizona, and then so the coaches have known me like from watching me in the club circuit, um, and they reached out to me once I uh, put my name in the transfer portal, and they were just constantly talking to me, and I just saw how much they believed in me, and it spoke words to me. And, uh, I mean, 
I think that this is the, the best opportunity for me and the best decision because it not only will make me the best basketball player, but also the best man that I can be. What kind of a basketball player are you? What skill set do you bring specifically to BYU basketball? I love watching my teammates score. So if I can make a nice pass and them get a bucket, whether it's a three or a buzzer beater or a layup or a dunk, I mean, I, I just love watching my guys have fun and enjoy the game together. And uh, I love winning. So, I mean, and, every, and everybody loves that here too. So <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. So we're all on the same page. <laughs> That's the word, right? Just win, baby. Um, what, is there a guy in the NBA or in college basketball that you've watched where you patterned your game after a little? I like watching Damian Lillard. Just, I mean, his composure, how he holds himself during the games. I mean, every shot that he shoots, it's like he's shooting in the gym by himself. Whether it's a buzzer beater or a, an easy layup or a floater, he's always got the same composure about him. Do you have the meme capability of Damian Lillard? Yeah, like if there's a pile and you make a buzzer beater and you wave, can you hold your face still and not be excited? <laughs> I, honestly, I'm very emotional, so I'll probably be screaming if that happens, <laughs> getting the crowd involved. Yeah. Defensively, Mark Pope mentioned that you're really good on ball as a defender. Um, what does it take to be a great defender in college hoops? Effort. Um, I mean, I, I try to give 100% effort every play and uh, just work as hard as I can for the guys behind me. I mean, it's all a collective group, and we're all working together. So if I'm working hard, I, I know my teammates are going to be working hard because they're going to see me, and, I mean, we'll all work together. So. With the NCAA transfer rules comes the challenge of not being able to play in a game that actually hits the record sheet. So how are you approaching this challenge of, man, you want to play with you guys, but you're going to be in practice and you're going to have to help out those ways before you can actually get on the court in that BYU uniform? Um, I mean, I'm just trying to be the best teammate possible, pick my guys up, be encouraging, be positive, bring that positive mindset every day in practice. Um, I love competitive, competitiveness, competing. Um, making everyone better, you know, pushing them through hard times. And there is a waiver process. Um, if I could potentially play, I mean, I'd, I'd love to do that. But if, if not, I mean, I'm going to be that guy on the bench supporting them, screaming. Hopefully we can make it on some of the best uh, bench celebrations for the, for the year. <laughs> Have you talked to Jake Toulson about this? Yes. Are you aware of yeah. his yeah. shenanigans a few yeah. years ago? Yeah. It feels like it's been eight years since that. I mean, it's three or four. It's right? been a while. Three yeah. or four. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah, exactly. Um, you seem like a super positive guy. What, where does this come from? Is it, your, is it your family? Is it just something inherent in you? you you, got, you have a lot of energy. I, like um, I mean, I just, I think that positivity is the best thing. You know, it keeps you smiling, and, and I love to smile. I love to see people around me smile. So I'm, I'm a jokester. I mean, I, it takes a little bit for me to warm up, but once I warm up, I'm pretty goofy, and I love to make people laugh. I mean, growing up, I always loved making my sisters laugh, and then I met my girlfriend in, in my senior year of high school, and I mean, she's, she's the love of my life, and, and she just brought the best out in me, and I mean, I just I want to keep that mindset for, for the rest of my life. What's her name? Zoe Simpson. Zoe Simpson? Shout out to Zoe. Is she, is she a fan of the move to BYU? Oh, she is such a fan, yeah. Is she from Arizona as well? Yes. Okay. Oh, no, she's from Chicago, but she goes to school in Tucson. In Tucson. Yes, gotcha. so she's there now. Gotcha. Yes. Is that going to be hard? She's in Tucson, you're in Provo? No, I mean, I, I, I know how I feel about her, and she knows how she feels about me. So He's in love, Spence. Yes, He's sir. In love. <laughs> it's a wonderful feeling. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. Okay, right. let's yep. continue this conversation with Alex Barcelo. Yes, he's a man in love. That's why he's got the smile on all <laughs> Hey, I'm, I'm playing the game that I love. I have no complaints. <laughs> Her name's Zoe. What's the order? Heart emojis. What's the order? I'm just kidding. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, Alex, uh, aside from meeting the love of your life and, and having that in place and being at BYU, um, when you look at Mark Pope, I mean, he's a guy that clearly has made his love manifest for you. He's, he loves you as a player. What, what is it like to play for a guy like Mark Pope in the limited time that you've had with him as your coach? Oh, my gosh. I mean, he's just on and off the court. He's the best. I look at him as, I mean, a role model to me. He's such a phenomenal guy, and he really brings the best out in everybody on the court and even the coaching staff. You know, he, he knows what every guy needs, and that's something that's very important as a head coach. You know, he knows how to handle everybody. And he played at, in the NBA, and those are my aspirations and goals. And I believe that he can push me to be there. And then also he could push me to be the best man because he has a great relationship with his wife, and, and I look forward to, to being that in my future. Can red shirts travel? Like, can you, do you know yet? Because the Maui Invitational is this year, and that'd be fun, right? Oh, my gosh, that'd be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope we're allowed to, but. Yeah. At least Italy. Yes, Italy. And, and we noticed conveniently that you didn't show up for the first week of practice, <laughs> but that you showed up the week of the Italy game. It's great. That's really interesting. Great timing. Blame <laughs> <laughs> it on Zoe, right? Yeah. Zoe Extra said I couldn't come up to Provo yeah. until uh, whoa, whoa, the week whoa, whoa. before You're Italy. Dating. You can't be telling me. <laughs> you can't be telling yet. No, that's later. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This, yeah. is not, this is not a bad year for travel. Yeah. If, if you do have to sit out, hopefully it's Maui. You get Italy, of course. Um, you, Mark Pope told you you expect to put on a show in Italy. What does that mean? Well, what kind of was show Was that a are true quote or was that on? Mark's hopes? No, that's a true quote. Okay. I've expressed to him. I mean, okay. obviously I didn't get the playing time that I, that I felt like I, I wanted at U of A. But, um, I mean, I've been working every single day, you know, trying to, to be the best basketball player that I can be. And, and I have a lot of emotion in me. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out. So I'm excited to step on that court and, and give it my all. I think your only childs will have some emotion as well. You guys will have to... Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Hopefully we can get everyone, everyone else everyone having that emotion. Yep. Yeah, sure. Um, you're listed at number four for this season. You had, tw- what, 23 at Arizona? Is four yes. your number? Uh, no, that's just my number for now. I'm, I'm kind of going to decide my number just for practice Kay. right now. Because you had 23 at Arizona, right? Yes. Evan Troy's a senior, so 23 in theory is available the year you start playing. So that, yeah. that's your I'm hope, gonna, probably. Yes, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to be 23. <laughs> that makes, that's good timing. Yeah. It's not a it's not a non senior. Yeah. so that's good. I grew up watching Space Jam, so oh, Michael yeah. Jordan's been my idol, uh-huh. and I mean I've worn that number my whole life, so okay. I want to keep that rolling. Space Jam Two is filming right now. Really? Yeah. Do you think With that it's going to be better? No, 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 no. no. Yeah, can, can you beat the OG? No. no. See, that's I what was, I say. That's yeah. A, <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I, I was hoping Jimmer Fredette would be the token white guy in the corner. <laughs> On it, but it's he's not in it. You know. Okay, for all of our shoe dogs out there, you're a Jordan guy. What's your favorite pair of Air Jordans? Concord Elevens. The Concord Elevens. Very specific. Yes. Without hesitation. Yes. Wow. And I actually haven't even got them yet. I want to get them. So okay. I have a pair of Elevens right now, the Bread Elevens. But I'm the Breads, yes. the black and red. Yes. Okay. okay. Ta- the Breads. Yes. <laughs> Talk to Dalton Nixon. He's, okay. he's a uh, huge. He's, he's huge. Jordan, yeah. He was telling me about that yesterday. I, I'm gonna have to. Head, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to talk to him. Yeah, major. Exactly. You were so compelling that we're gonna pocket our Devin Kafusi interview. Yeah, we'll air it tomorrow. tomorrow. We're gonna, you know what? You, you were that good. Yeah. Your <laughs> love story was that good. That you pushed another guest. Basketball oh. and Zoe. Man, I'm just so happy to be here. Thank you guys. We're excited to have you. Thank you. you. Mind signing our flag? Of course. That'd be all right. Let's give uh, let's give Alex the BYU Sports Nation karma. Absolutely, good luck to go put on a show in Italy. Well, put on a show 
hopefully we get some good gelato. Okay. Yes. yes. Exactly. So, so gelato. Gelato. Just give the man some Concord 11 Jordans and <laughs> some gelato. <laughs> get and some buckets happy. and some great photos. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thank okay. you for having me. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Let's play a little hashtag this. BYU Sports Nation says hashtag this. Brought to you by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. There's lots to discuss. Lots is happening on social media. I'm stoked about this segment. Let's bring in our producer, Ben Bagley. Some call him the voice. Apparently he's cold, too. Well, it was cold this morning in our meetings, and so I put on the hoodie to warm up, and it's still cold. And to represent, which is fine. Hoods up. Yeah. We've got to represent the BYU Sports Nation hoodie. Hey, let's start here. Hashtag this. BYU fans purchasing close to 7,000 tickets to the Tennessee game. Uh, I'm going to go with hashtag not surprised. Nobody should be surprised by this. We know BYU travels. We know that that's, that's a, one of those destination places for, for teams. A lot of fans will go to, like, one game. If you're going to go to one venue, you probably want to check that out. I'm not surprised by this at all. BYU does this all the time. Hashtag yeehaw. BYU is going to show up, and they're going to have their y'all shirts. We got these. <laughs> we got them. We saw firsthand what kind of uh, fans there are in Nashville and in the surrounding area at the Fan Fest this yep. summer. We saw it firsthand. Those fans are awesome. I'm super stoked for them. They're going to be loud and proud. That's 7,000. There will be more sprinkled throughout the stadium. This is like um, for the allotted one tickets. Al- one alum yes. and then the BYU allotted Allot- tickets. Yes. This isn't everybody, right? Let's go to number two. Yeah, staying on this same topic, hashtag this, the athletic Stuart Mandel becoming the defender of Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Okay, let's explain this one yes. a little bit. Um, he, Stuart Mandel of The Athletic quoted a tweet uh, that said there could be well over 7,000 BYU fans traveling to Neyland uh, Stadium. He said, Power 5 fan base always has been. A Utah fan responded, talk to me when they sell out their own stadium, to which Mandel responded, their average attendance is higher than your stadium's capacity. <laughs> Stuart Mandel, American hero. Yes. Hashtag the Mandel mic drop. Okay. Like at that point, there really isn't anything else. Oh, like man. that, there could not have been a more perfect response <laughs> than that because there, there's no comeback. Now, I saw some of the attempts yeah, 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 yeah. at coming back to that, yeah, but yeah. they all fell on deaf ears. As Vanquish the Foe put it, hashtag officer, I'd like to report a murder. <laughs> So good from Stuart Mandel. All right, next one. Hashtag this. The Utah Jazz's Donovan Mitchell having Yoli Childs back on Instagram. You take this one first. Okay, so Donovan Mitchell uh, put out on Instagram, hey, I've got your back, Yoli Childs, wearing some BYU socks that BYU Wearing the Cosmo socks. Which is awesome. You can give him socks, and he can wear them, right? And uh, we're showing them on BYU TV. Awesome. Uh, Hashtag DMitch got yo back. I I love this. He supports the local teams. He's beloved by uh, jazz fans, and uh, it's, it's awesome. I, I love it. Yeah, I went with a hashtag game recognizes game. Now, that could mean Donovan recognizing Yoli's game and vice versa. could also mean recognizing the game, the sock game. Yes. Yes. Well done. Yes. Donovan Mitchell uh, has come to a BYU game or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spencer talked to him during a broadcast. Yeah. Was, and, and Donovan was Mitchell. i really happy for Spencer to have that opportunity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell actually played in high school in Georgia with 
Elijah Bryant. Elijah Bryant. Yes. Yeah, a little connection there. Number, yes. Number four. Well, Spencer doesn't have that whole restraining order issue, Jason, that you can't <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Uh, next one. Hashtag this. The Frick and Frack nickname given to Sione Taki Taki and fellow Browns rookie linebacker Mac Wilson by Odell Beckham Jr. Hashtag we know which one is Frick. Of course they're going to give the guy from BYU Frick, right? <laughs> that just makes sense, right? <laughs> Well, Taki Taki, Fracky Fracky, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Can I drop some knowledge before you give your hashtag? What have you been waiting on? I, I have been waiting to drop some knowledge on Frick and Frack. They're actual people. Excuse me? Yes. Who are they? Okay, Frick and Frack were two Swiss skaters huh? who, who came to the United States in the late 1930s and joined the original Ice Follies show as, co- as comedic ice skaters. That is Frick and Frack. Well, I would say that uh, I would go hashtag, can we say Frick on BYU TV? (laughs) There's a first for almost everything, right? Yeah, awesome. Number five. Hashtag this. The ESPN's Bill Conley has the 1984 BYU National Championship team as his third best Cougar football team in history. Look, I understand um, when you throw in the numbers. I love when you start with this tone. I know exactly where that, you're like, going. That's fine. Like, that's cool. But. But hashtag I'll stick with the ship. Okay. You win a championship. That's the best. Hashtag I knew it. I knew it. I knew that 84. I know they won the national championship. I'm not sure they're the best team in BYU history. I see the argument on all sides. He says, I think he says 79 and 80. Are the best teams. This is by S and P plus. Yes. So there's these metrics, right? So many metrics. Here, here's the thing with the best team conversation. In a given year, like if you ask Utah and Auburn about the 04 season, they were what two of four teams that went into the bowl uh, games undefeated. Auburn went undefeated and didn't get a chance to play for the national championship. Like UCF's like, uh, what about us over here? No one actually thinks that they deserve the national title, right? Like. But they didn't get a chance to play for it. Um, that's interesting to me. I, the 83 team, you could argue, was better than the 84 team. It was all those dudes uh, with the tougher schedule. BYU won at UCLA and pounded them. Like, the 84 team played a soft schedule. They took care of business. I, I love that they won the national championship. It is the best and worst thing that has ever <laughs> happened to BYU. Look, like I said, it's I, understanding the, the metrics that went into coming up with the list, I understand why he went. That's fine. I'm still going with the year that you win a national championship. Yeah, BYU won every game that year. Uh, not all schedules are created equal, but guess what? No one brings up who BYU played in 84. Just that they won, right? That's all that matters. So, why, so what if BYU had opened up with four power fives in 84? Uh-huh. It would have been a little tougher, right? And you still go undefeated and you still win the championship. Uh, no. <laughs> you don't so, know that. You don't know it either. I do know it. I've seen it. I'm seeing it right now. Yeah. Put on your blue goggles blue that goggle alert. see the blue future. Alert. Blue goggle Translate alert. future schedules. Future is always positive and blue. Okay. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The best of BYU Sports Nation airs Saturdays at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU Radio and is also on the podcast feed featuring the best conversations and interviews each week. 
You should be prominently featured this week because you will have been on two of the five uh, shows. Yeah, two of the five shows. Yeah, so at least 40% content from Jason Shepard. If I'm not, I will know that Cole, who puts it together, <laughs> hates me. Love you, Shep. <laughs> Last Saturday, Zach Wilson, after the scrimmage, said the following. Uh, Those Kafusis never run out of air. Uh, he was referencing Devin Kafusi, who's the third in line of Kafusi boys to play for BYU and is built in the same way as Bronson and Corbin. Aggressive, fierce, productive. Kafusi is a part of a defensive line with several returning quality players to look for more this season. Here's my conversation Tuesday after practice with the sophomore. All right, Devin, a little over two weeks to go. What kind of emotions are starting to be stirred within you about the fact that we're actually going to play a game soon? Uh, I'm just just so excited. Um, It's been such a hard offseason, and that's where we want it, just to get better, working hard. And it's the hardest I've ever worked for something, knowing uh, we got that first game against Utah. And so it's just that excitement that everything's about to pay off come August 29th. And so uh, everyone, everyone's just trying their best to tighten up and uh, to play the best that we can play and execute um, so that we may win. We've been hearing this a lot in the offseason of, hey, we're super motivated, focused. Why, this, why was this offseason more so that way? Is it because Utah's the first game? Uh, I believe so. I think just how the Utah game went last year, us going up on them and then not being able to finish. Uh, really, we learned a lot from that, and just knowing that we have such a quick turnaround to start with them, and so it's really just an ultimate chance to to prove ourselves um, for ourselves and as a team. Um, that game really uh, really struck deep with everyone, and so just knowing that we're able to first game of the season, we can you know we can overcome uh, what we failed to do last year is really exciting, and and is what kept everyone focused and working hard, and so. That's what I really loved about this team in this offseason. Everyone's kind of been all in. There hasn't been any moaning or groaning about, oh, we got to work out this or this. It's everyone wants to be here. Um, you know, we get to be here. Everyone wants to be here. Everyone wants to win. And so it's really contagious, and it's been spreading throughout the whole team and throughout this whole fall camp. Before the interview, you said you could sense that football's in the air. Yeah. Will you describe how you made that discovery? Oh, I, I just uh, I was going home in the evening, and, I don't know, I live up on the mountainside, and it's a little bit cooler up there, and I just, I just kind of felt um, it wasn't normal, still kind of hot summer night when the sun's down and moon out, moon's out. It was kind of sweater weather type of, type of temperature, and, um, and that just got me excited for football. It just felt like um, kind of how it is under the lights in Lavelle Edwards. And so um, it's always just a great blessing and opportunity to play in front of all the great fans, and can't wait to see them all on the 29th. If we weren't standing in the sun, I would totally agree with you. (laughs) We are both sweating right here. Uh Um, Let's talk about your play. Uh, Freshman year last year, really good season. How do you feel like you've improved going into your sophomore season? I'm just playing, yeah, freshman year. I'm just backing up my brother and just coming off a mission and physically and uh, mentally just soaking everything in that first year. Staying healthy was kind of my big goal and have a good foundation. And so I'm just springboarding off that first year into this year. Um, being stronger, being faster, knowing the defense better, um, feeling more confident in myself and those aspects allows me to, to become the player I know I can become. On Saturday after the scrimmage, Zach Wilson said, those Kafusis don't run out of air, meaning you can run all day. Yeah. Is that some, do you agree with that statement? Do you feel like you're in great shape, that you can run a bunch? Uh, I do. I, I kind of try to pride myself, and even my brothers, we always try to pride ourselves on that because they see us as you know, the tallest guys out there, um, Usually one of the biggest guys out there, and you don't think those guys can run or have motors, but we've always 
just took it upon our, ourselves, just um, yeah, nonstop motor, and just keep keep going. Um, no matter what the play is, just always getting to the ball and showing up um, wherever the ball is. And so, uh, and it, it'll pay, it pays off for sure. Let's talk about this defensive line. You return, Kyra Stronger returns, Lorenzo Falatea, Trajan Peely, a bunch of other guys. How do you feel about this D-line that hopefully is a, a group that can get pressure with four? Mm-hmm. I feel really great. I mean, all these guys, um, you know, Kyra's there in the middle holding it down for us. And then for the rest of us around him, we're, we're just working hard and trying to match his tempo and match his physicality and how we played our technique on the defensive line. And all the guys around the defensive line, we're all kind of in the same boat, just ready to break out and have our own great, uh, great season and contribute to the team. Um, that first being pressure on the quarterback. And um, when we're able to do that, that just kind of makes everything easier on the defense, getting pressure on the quarterback. How are you a different player on the field than your brothers? Or maybe you're similar? Um, biggest difference? Uh, I'd say... Um, Kind of, kind of like more of a natural twitch for it, I'd say, um, for certain for certain things, uh, whether it comes to my technique or just getting to the ball. Um, I think that's that's my difference, uh, and, and what I've seen personally within myself. Um, it's been hard to see outside, you know, it, it, not having that many reps. Uh, similar, um, just going back to getting to the ball and motor. That's that, that's the one thing you gotta have if you want to be successful, especially on the defensive line. It, that's where the defensive linemen stand out is the guys that have the motor to keep going on six-play, eight-play drives and still come up with a big play. Talking with Devin Kafusi on BYU Sports Nation, who has the best sack celebration among the three of you? Ooh. I'll say me, so keep an eye out for it. Saving it? <laughs> saving it, yeah, for sure. But I'm, it's not because mine's better. It's just my brothers are really bad. <laughs> Theirs is just really bad. I don't know. They're just, I don't know, like – brain dead when they get a sack or something There's, what was bad oh man bronson just does his he does like a happy clap always he's always yeah like a clap and a head nod and corbin just like beats himself in the head like the madman he is and very so, brute very right? brute yeah just just kind of you know rough and tough you know gorilla can you, can you give us a clue of what yours will be more like do you have it down already um because if you wait till the moment it's gonna be brute right it's going to be bleh. It might be brute, but I'm kind of just subtle. You know, I act like you've been there before. And so um, but for me, it's just I'm plan, planning and hoping to get in the backfield just like the rest of our guys. And so um, when you're back there all the time, no need to really celebrate. And so just keep doing it. Was your mom in charge of getting the scooters in Provo? Because I'm really happy about that. Yeah. And so uh, she was excited about that. Um, they had one at, we have one at home that we've been, like, t- test running and everything. She said, oh, keep it a secret. And, uh, well, the, the cat's out of the bag. Yeah, it's out of the bag now. So everyone <laughs> everyone jump on your scooter down in uh, City of Provo. Um, really fun. They even haul me around. So Is there one tall enough for you? Uh, not really, but my dad jumps on it and stuff, and he's, he's pretty big. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun time. And so we love what she, I love her as a mother and what she does for the city. And so it's, it's really great to see her. Keep doing what she loves to do. Remind me, are you the right end? Um, it switches up. Okay. And so I was right end last year. That's usually where I, I filled in. And then uh, so far this offseason, working up the hill, I've been preferring the left end. Okay. So you, you against Harris Lachance a lot? Yeah, is that what's going Harris. on? So all last year is all Brady. I saw Brady every day. Now just, it's been me and Harris. And so that's been really fun because Harris and I came in together at the same time. And we've kind of been in the same boat. And so we're just making each other better. And so we, we, we love it. We've seen each other each day. And, and we're great friends. It's kind of... Funny, um, 
someone I go up against every day, and you know, you, you really should hate seeing and stuff. But Harris and I, we we have a we have a ball because we're uh, weightlifting partners and right locker buddies, and so he's a great guy as well, and just make each other better. We're about midway through camp. Uh, what do you feel like this team's accomplished so far? Um, accomplished. Um, I think right off the get go, we were able to um, get rid of the kind of the you know. The things that were obvious to, to, to do to have a great season, a great team. Um, kind of the discipline, the energy of getting to the ball as a defense, offense, all the check downs, all the simple um, change-ups or audibles. And so when we're able to get that little stuff out of the way, we're able to perfect uh, really the main big things, which is executing the play, and which then leads us to you know uh, playing, with, playing with that heart and playing, going hard each play. And so uh, being able to accomplish that and just get better has uh, has been a big thing because there's really no secret. It's just hard work, day in and day out, and just putting those days uh, one after another um, to get the big picture. And so, I thought you looked like your brothers before, but during this interview, I've had flashes of Bronson and Corbin just in a row. It's 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 wild, dude. It's wild. People all the time. I can. We all got the same like fake laugh. Kind of we do. We go like, ha ha, yeah. <laughs> That or a, a Corbin line. This is a, a Corbin right here. He's like, "What's crazy?" Or, or, or Bronson. He's just like really like smiley and like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and so I got him down to the T. I always tell everyone when we when we get together, uh, I'm definitely the, the most mature one because they're like they turn into two big four year olds, and so uh, those are really large four year olds. Really large four year olds, and so when they get together, it's it's. It's something else. So I'm always the one holding it down for us. And so Those were incredible impersonations. Yeah. I want to congratulate you. Really good. I, I, I do it sometimes in the locker room, and people turn around and think that was Corbin here or Bronson here, and so it freaks them out. And so. Well, that's awesome. Continue to stay healthy. BYU Sports Nation karma to you in uh, two weeks, baby. Two weeks. I love that. Thank you. Go Coos. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> spot on. Those were spot on. Spot on. And he should, right? He's the brother. He's... Those are two big four-year-olds. <laughs> well, really big four-year-olds. Bronson's hair, by the way. That hair wow. is impressive. Wow. Did the hockey the other day after yes. just practice, had the strip sack. And then uh, Corbin trying to do work with the Saints. What a, what a family. Alexis played. Uh, Daryl uh, played soccer. Yeah. What a, like, what a family. The mom's the mayor. They're like, riding scooters around. We're a huge fan of the scooters. Oh, we love it. When we went, when we went to Nashville, uh, we went around uh, you know, Broadway and the whole downtown. It was awesome. So. We need to do that in Provo. We haven't done it yet. We, yeah, it's, it's, on the, it's on the agenda. You, you can't take them on campus, though. Correct. Yeah, you cannot have them on campus, but yeah. take like a you know, lunch break one mm-hmm. of these days and ride so, the scooters. So what do we have to do? We have to walk to the scooter? And walk then to the scooter, then we get on the scooter. Isn't the scooter the point? Anyway. All yeah. right. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We now welcome into Studio B, once again, the head coach of BYU Basketball, Mark Pope, who's preparing for a tour of Italia and the Leaning Tower of Pizza, among other things. Coach, how are you feeling before Italy? I'm good, but I'm, I'm really upset I didn't get in the dance-off yesterday. We were stuck. We were doing our, uh, you know, fan fest thing, meeting mm-hmm. people in the dance-offs. I'm trying to get over there. Couldn't get over there. 
Really disappointed. Just next, get in a time. dance battle in uh, one of those famous courtyards in Italy somewhere. Can we come okay. on studio and do a dance-off right here one time? <laughs> Jump up on the table. We'll just break yes. it out. It'd be freaking genius. Hey, if, you, if you'd like to do a dance-off right now and show us what you got, you're welcome. I mean, the cameras are rolling, so you, oh, just, no, you I, tell us. Oh, no. We're trying to increase the ratings here. <laughs> oh, now you're shy. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to compete against the Cougarettes, though, right? The Cougarettes are legit. No, I'll, I'll take want, on the Cougarettes. I'm not okay. scared of the Cougarettes, You ain't scared man. of the Cougarettes? I, I, don't, the Cougarettes. I don't have... Uh, uh, I don't have a lot of dance skills, but I have a lot of enthusiasm. This, so. this we know. Yes, we do. Yes. Okay, we'll get to the specifics of the trip to Italy in just a bit, but we want to address the Yoli Child situation with you here in studio. Unfortunate on so many levels. I mean, we let our frustrations out loud and clear last week, and I know that you have turned over every rock and you've appealed everything, and it, it just doesn't seem like the NCAA is going to budge. We had Jay Billis on the show last week, and he voiced uh, his concern with the NCAA. Where do you stand a week later? If you can't control it, what, what now? Well, listen, our job is, is two things. You know, you go through a process like this and you learn a lot, right? And the first thing we learned is this, this Yoli Childs is extraordinary, okay? Um, you know, in this landscape of college athletics, where we see reports like we did that came out yesterday um, that are naming all kinds of players and all kinds of situations where everybody's running and ducking, hiding, Yoli Childs, when, when we started having these conversations several months ago about him coming back and we started looking into like the new legislation and where things fell, Yoli was coming in. He's like, hey, I'm not hiding. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm bringing everything forward and we're going to go through this process and we're going to be completely forthright and honest and see where we end up. And that takes, a, that takes some real internal fortitude from a young man who understands all the complications of what he's about to go through and, and, and was saying, I am going to roll this way. His integrity is that important to him. And, and that's a credit to him, and it's a credit to this university, and it's a credit to the things that, that, that we do here. And so I, I couldn't be more proud of him. Um, and so he just, he just showed again that he's an extraordinary young man that, that lives by a code that's really important to him. And um, that's very uncommon, actually. And then the second thing that, that we're focused on right now is we have to find some way. And we talk about this all the time now. We have to find some way that by the time he gets to the end of this season, uh, that as painful as this is to sit out all these games for him and for the team, that we get to the end of the season and we're like, you know what? As awful as that was, it turned out to be something that was better for us. And so there's a number of ways that we can do that and approach that. And that's what we're working on. That's the focus. Let's talk about that a little bit because those first nine games, there's some challenging games in there, including the Maui Invitational and whatnot. Yeah. And when the non-conference comes out, you'll see which games those yeah. are for sure. But um, the front court's, a li- I guess, a little thin in terms of who's, who's down there, right? Uh, you could say Dalton Nixon and Gavin Baxter and Colby Lee are the guys, right? Yeah, those are the guys. And, and uh, you know, listen, we, have, we do have veterans on this team. We have guys that have been through it before. and uh, We have, uh, you know, this Kobe Lee is going to be a really good player for us. He's going to be really good. Gavin Baxter is in the early stages of becoming a star, and Dalton Nixon's a proven commodity. And um, so, you know, uh, we'll, we'll go battle, and this team's going to grow, and, and we're going to become better and, and, uh, and really compete. And, um, you know, for us, the whole trick is at the end of this season, how good can we be when we when – we, you know, go to Vegas and jump in this WCC tournament, how good are we, right? That's the whole, the whole kind of plan in action is to see what we can become. And, and this is actually going to be a, a beneficial time for us to see how, how quickly we can grow. In terms of lineups, 
with Yoli gone, how much does a guy like Zach Selyus step in to shore up things if you want to go with the small lineup and four guys around the perimeter? Yeah. Well, certainly it makes us uh, it makes us smaller. It makes us less physical. Uh, it makes us more of an open offense. Um, we'll probably try and play maybe even a little bit faster. Although, in in you know the two weeks of practice we've been able to have since Italy, Yoli Childs is running the floor like a madman. It's been unbelievable. But I think it gives us some opportunity to maybe try some different things and play some different ways. And uh, we're going to need uh, a guy like Zach Selyus to step up and be great. And I think he will. I think he's due for a big time senior season. I think he's going to have a special year. Since the beginning of the summer when we first got here, he's been working so hard on several different facets of his game. And so I expect guys like that to step up and, and, and be great. West Coast Conference portion of the schedule is out. Uh, you have a bye in the first week and then a bye in the second to last game. So you play a long – you're the only team to play seven straight weeks. What do you think of the schedule? I like the schedule. Um, I, I think it's going to be good for us. I think it's, it's really challenging. Our conference is challenging. I think when these schedules come out, you know, I think all – every single team in the league – looks at the schedule and be like, oh, if we only had this. But, you know, it is what you have before you. And, and so the, the, the trick is to, is to read it in a way that is advantageous to our program. And, and, and that's what we're doing. And we're really excited about it. How do you read it being advantageous? What's well, advantageous? listen, I, I, I don't hate it. I mean, I don't hate us uh, at the beginning of the season having a little breathing space, at the beginning of the regular season having a little breathing space because we are just going to have uh, finished a grueling non-conference schedule. And then this WCC tournament for us is everything. And so for us to have a chance at the end of the year to have a little bit of breathing room to kind of freshen up and get ourselves back, I don't hate that either. So I think, I think the bookended uh, feature of the season for us is going to be really good. BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope with us on BYU Sports Nation. The official announcement of transfer Alex Barcelo from the University of Arizona to BYU goes down yesterday. What can you tell us about the new guy? Well, I, I love this kid. Um, I think he's a he's I think he's an explosive player. Um, I got to watch him a lot as a prep when he was in high school in the AU circuit, and uh, and you just watch him and you're like, man, you imagine if you got a chance to coach this this young man. Um, he uh, he's a he's an explosive athlete. Uh, he really has the ability to guard. He can really keep the ball in front of him and actually uh, apply a lot of pressure. He's a he's an explosive scorer. Um, he's a he's a, he's a, he's a little bit pesky defensively, like this fly that's this, yeah, there's a fly this run right around right here. Yeah. It's I right, in my, right in my face right yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> but listen, I th- and I, he's a, he's a beautiful human being, right? Um, he's he's uh, weathered some storms in his athletic career and his personal life, and and um, like we all have, and and uh, he's he's gonna he's gonna I think by the by the, by the time it's all said and done, he's gonna be a fan favorite here at BYU. I'm really excited for him get, to get him on the court. Yeah, big-time player out of Arizona. Is he a potential T.J. Haas replacement at point guard next year or combo guard with Jesse Wade? Well, listen, we lose T.J. TJ's, T.J. This T.J. Haas is a freak, man. So I actually had him in the office. Uh, so we were off yesterday, but we practiced Monday and Tuesday. And after Monday, we'd been through a week of practice. And I brought him in the office, and we talked about some things. I'm like, man, I'm surprised this is not really working well. That's not working well. And T.J. was like, no, those things are all fine. And then in practice on Tuesday, he made all of those things fine. And every time he made them fine, he looked over at me. <laughs> He's like, I told you, it's all fine. I mean, this TJ Hawes is He's- a rare talent. I Actually, I'm, like, it's been really fun to coach him in some real practice right now. I, I love this young man, and he's going to be special. So we're going to lose him. 
And and it's going to be important that we find guys that can step in and, and kind of carry that torch. And I think Alex certainly is talented enough to do it, and and I think he's hungry to do it. And he, you know, we're going to bring in some more help for him in the backcourt, and and uh, it's going to be fun. BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope on BYU Sports Nation. What does every BYU fan need to know about this Italy trip? Um, well, we're playing four games in five days, which I'm really excited about. And we have no idea what we're going to see. It's, it's interesting as we kind of watch these teams that we're going to play. Uh, you, know, um, uh, you know, Minnesota uh, beat a team by 30. And then the, two nights later, Miami barely beats them by three, right? So it's going to be all over the map. Um, we're excited to go. We actually have... Uh, the last three weeks, Dr. Haraguchi, who is a professor on campus, has come lectured, given our guys an hour lecture on what they're about to see in Italy for three weeks. Nice. So our guys have learned a bunch of uh, Italian phrases that are important. Uh, they are now could all eloquently describe some of the artistic features of the, of the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Um, and uh, so w- w- this has been really educational. We're, I'm so excited. So excited. Yeah. Have you been to Italy? I have. I went to Italy. Um, well, I, I played in there. I played a couple years overseas, so I played there a little bit. But, mm-hmm. but um, the only time I spent extended time was when I, the year before my senior year at Kentucky, we took our foreign tour to Italy. And I still have PTSD from it. <laughs> what, what happened? It was so hard. So literally, we would get up in the morning. We would go practice for two or three hours. And coach was just drilling us, crushing us. You'd roll out of there and be exhausted, and there's no air conditioning in the gym. I mean, it was just miserable, right? We'd get on a bus. He might drive us like we would drive to the Coliseum and just drive around the Coliseum in a bus, and then we'd go back to the gym. I kid you not, it was so brutal. It was, it was so terrible. So, so I'm not going to really roll that way on this trip, but it's going to be fun. Is that torture? You're like, oh my go No, no. You didn't want to go in. You actually want to go rest. One time we went to, uh, we actually were in Verona, and so we had to take this, like, it was a quarter of a mile walk to get to this statue that we were going to see. Okay. First of all, it seemed like it was a 10-mile walk because you're so exhausted, like you're just dead. So we went there, turned around, walked back to the bus. I mean, that was basically our, what we saw in Italy. <laughs> it's a super famous statue. It's like, yeah, it's great, coach. Let's go sit on the bus. Back oh, to practice. Man. Let's go sit on the bus. Well, hopefully the guys have a better uh, trip than you did. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, we're going to have a great trip. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a safe trip. Um, we're taking every, every, uh, you know, every precaution we can to keep everybody safe, and, and uh, it's going it's to be really fun. And everyone is eligible to play, correct? We get to play the whole roster. So All the red shirts. Everybody's playing. And so Wyatt gets to play, Rich gets to play, Alex gets to play. Alex is uh, Alex said he's going to go put on a show, so we're really excited. Okay, about and of it. course Yoli Childs will play. Yoli Childs going to play. Yoli's going to put on a show, and and uh, it's going to be really fun. We can't wait to get there. Okay, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for your tour of Italy. Yes, we need some BYU Sports Nation karma to get rid of this fly in Studio B as well. <laughs> tour of Italy is also a thing you can get at Olive Garden, by the way. Yeah, I actually when I when I was actually working out and I could eat carbs, I would crush the tour of Italy. The tour of Italy is great. I would crush the tour. In fact, if we could, do we have a sponsorship with? We can talk to somebody with Olive Garden. We we know people. Let's work on it. If if you you guys get get in touch with Olive Garden, let's do this. We 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 will we will we will will do a a social media blitz every single day. (laughs) From Italy, we're doing the tour of Italy. You can eat the tour of Italy at Olive Garden. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, Coach! Great to catch up. Have a great trip. We're gonna sneak on that plane. 
That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. 